I'm recording my backup now, just so that never has a chance of happening to us again. Anyway, please continue. I'll find the backup and then I'll burn it and I'll say, Sadie, you and I can just live together now. I've burned all the evidence. (laughs) How apt for for today's romantic comedy. You can make a snail aquaria in a garage and then you can have no healthy conversations about your relationships and just go look at your snails instead. Jen, of course you would know what the word is. For for no reason. (laughs) (laughs) Aquaria. Why did put the wallet in there? Well, I guess it's because uh, it would be an aquarium, right? But he's got multiple. So Aquaria just felt right to say. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> I, I podcast with nerds, you know? You know, uh, you you selected us. You chose us for this life. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jen, who are we and what do we do? Well, 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 listeners who have just stumbled across this podcast and this is your very first episode, we are so excited for you to be here. We are You Should See the Other Guy, the podcast where we ostensibly watch a movie featuring a love triangle and then tell you why the person who picked somebody to be in love with picked the wrong person. But sometimes we watch a truly astounding masterpiece of awfulness and tell you about it. And this week, we are going to talk about the new direct to Hulu movie that spawned the Ben-Anna relationship of 2020, Deep Water. And I'm Sadie. And, and I'm Samantha. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm Jennifer, by the way. <laughs> I forgot about our names. <laughs> um, yeah, Deep Water, which Ben Affleck and Anna Darmus, did they make it while they were together or did they get together they got while together filming this? While filming, yes. Wow. It's not that which deep. Doesn't make sense to me because <laughs> they don't have super great chemistry in the movie. Yeah. Like she she really feels- plays despising <laughs> him well. <laughs> But does she? So, does uh, she? I couldn't fucking tell the she? whole time. It was it was actually really confusing. I wasn't sure. I was so unsure about what was going on that I actually sought out the source material and read the book this week after watching it. And now I'm just more confused than ever. And and so, I, I so like I knew that it was based off of a book. So by the way, this is like an erotic thriller, et cetera, et cetera, about like a man and a wife. Jen will be happy to tell you more about it in a second. But I knew that it was based off of a book going. <laughs> into it but then after i finished watching it and i was like what the fuck did i just watch i looked it up and it's based off of like a 1950s novel which makes so much more sense to me of this plot like this plot feels like a 1950s plot and they did not do anything to update it to the modern era Well, like, they made Ben Affleck the inventor of like a, a, a drone military strike. drone ship. That was <laughs> they so didn't do anything like, with. Where did that come from? The bicycling was also so strange. 
I watched this with Justin <laughs> and he biking. could not stop screaming. <laughs> he could not stop screaming about how, so like all the distant shots of Ben Affleck on the bicycle appeared to be a stunt person. And then when they show Affleck's face on the bicycle, he is like clearly pretending to ride a bicycle in front of a green screen. Oh yeah. I mean, he does not know how not to ride a bike. Get out of bed and go into the forest. I'm sure <laughs> it was some it. kind of contract thing, you know, like, like yeah, he wasn't going to put gonna that. Go have sweaty shooting days in the forest for a Hulu original. Or- <laughs> <laughs> was it originally intended to be released it was supposed on to Hulu, be for or was that? Oh, oh, that would have been worse. That would have been yeah. like on par with um, Serenity or whatever that movie was with Anne Hathaway and um, Matthew McConaughey. Oh my! Where it was God. all a simulation. Oh, you know no. what? I'm sick of it. I'm sick of hearing it. I, I when I finished watching this movie, Elliot turned to me and he was like, "Now we have to watch Serenity." I'm like, "No, we don't. Please stop asking me to watch it." <laughs> I don't want to. As someone who saw that one in theaters, you've made the right choice. It wasn't like fun bad. It was just bad bad. Although Anne Hathaway does say baby a lot. And that's worth seeing, maybe. Like baby (laughs) is like a term of endearment for Matthew McConaughey or like talking about actual babies or... Just, yeah, as a term of endearment for Matthew McConaughey (laughs) in this like femme fatale kind of way that like doesn't fully work coming from Anne Hathaway because... While I, while I'm glad the internet has gotten over their hatred for her, um, she doesn't really work in that kind of like I don't know Jessica Rabbit kind of like role, you know. She has such um, a strong like earnest theater kid energy to her that it's a little strange to see her like yeah femme fatale yeah, up sometimes. She, she should be competing against Kelly Clarkson in karaoke, not she filming was perfect in erotic Ocean virtual State. thrillers. <laughs> She was amazing in Ocean's 8. Well, why don't, Jen, would you mind if I gave the cliff notes of what happens in the movie and you can do the book? I'm so mixed up now. book points later? Yeah, yeah, please take it away. And we will interject if you miss any important parts where there are shots of snails. I will be completely silent. I watched this seven days ago, (laughs) so I have no remembrance of the character's name, so I'll be referring to them as... Uh, they're actors exclusively. Ben Affleck and Anna de Armas live together in New Orleans. They have one child together of unspecified gender because my memory is fuzzy. And um, Ben Affleck invented a drone strike chip, and that's why he doesn't have to work. And all he does is like cook and um, ride his bicycle around Louisiana. I don't think Anna de Armas works. Her job seems to be taking advantage of their tacitly open marriage to seduce men at dinner parties that then Ben Affleck threatens. So at the start of the movie, Ben Affleck is like claiming to a potential partner for his wife that he killed one of his wife's previous partners. And it's like, haha, is he joking? Or is he serious? Or what? 
Um, we meet a screenwriter. Everybody wants to retire in New Orleans, huh? We meet a Hollywood screenwriter who's also there and also chiefly goes to dinner parties. And I believe his name was Doug in the movie. The one character's name I do. And he also has an extremely younger hot (laughs) wife. So, you are both yes. wrong. That's it is Don, no. D-O-N. But oh. yes, he has an, a younger, <laughs> extremely hot wife who was played by that chick I who was on my House of Cards for a while. <laughs> yeah, like, Ben um, Affleck flirts with that said hot wife. <laughs> you were closer. Well, Samantha had like the O sound in there, but Sadie had like the correct number of letters and, you know... <laughs> Anyway, Doug Danzon uh, is an aspiring screenwriter who has a hot younger wife. Carry but on, Doug Samantha. is the the only the first one who like really kind of like takes it seriously. Um, the Ben Affleck talking about having you know killed someone his wife slept with or that kind of thing. <laughs> is Jacob Elordi the first? Uh, there's yeah, some guy. Wait, there's is the one name he like threatens DJ? at the party. Yeah, and then the Joel is the one the the blonde guy at the beginning. But then Affleck frightens uh, him. The one off. who looks like Matt Damon. With the tail. It sounds like Brad Pitt. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Yeah. Why did he accept this dinner invitation? God, just the wow, just so many baffling choices. Then, yeah, so then Jacob Lordy is the next. (laughs) Like, nothing is hot hot enough to endure what these men are enduring. Like, it's weird. (laughs) Yes. No, no anadarmus is not worth eating lobster bisque for. I can uh, I can say that much. Um, <laughs> creamy shellfish soup. I don't know. Reconsider uh, whoever came up with that. Um, anyway. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we can just measure the movie kind of in like Anna to Armas boyfriends. So first there's some guy Ben Affleck scares off. Then it's Jacob Elordi who plays piano and does music. Wears a truly astounding shirt. The print on that is going to live in my dreams. Yeah, Ben Affleck drowns him in the pool at a party the at we, another one of these parties. We don't see Ben Affleck drown <laughs> him yet, uh, but Anna de Armas is convinced that he does. Where, where his wife and all of his friends are just inside, and the only two people out in the pool still are Jacob Elordi and Ben Affleck. I, huh? Continue, continue. King shit, you know, just like. <laughs> Um, the bat flex strikes so again. everyone is like <laughs> yeah, Ben Affleck's Batman kills people especially Jacob Elordi um, so everyone seems to accept the accidental drowning and besides it was just the piano boy so who cares you know except, uh, for, except for Don whose Don suspicions and, are um, aroused Anna Diarmas. she does not she screams at, in front of everyone that Ben Affleck murdered Jacob Elordi yeah which is kind of a bummer when your wife is accusing you of murdering her toy boy yeah 
but regardless, they just kind of go right back to it. She has like an old friend from school or something who she wants to bed now. And he comes over for dinner and Ben Affleck shows him his snail collection, which both Sadie and Jen have named themselves (laughs) after today in our recording software. Sadie, I'm especially impressed by (laughs) Escar Gone Girl. Is that... Is that a Sadie original? It is not. I read it on some Tumblr post (laughs) last (laughs) week after I watched this, after I watched this. And I was like, I am absorbing this into my core personality. (laughs) As our Missouri representative and um, therefore also Gone Girl expert, you deserve it, Sadie. Yeah. Thank you. And whatever you 14 year old on Tumblr came up with that joke, thank you. I have tried uh, it once no. and I probably would not try it again. It was like it, the taste is really good, but the texture was a little like, you know, what does it snails. taste like? So, um, well, it was definitely all like the seasoning and what they had cooked it in that like gave it the flavor. So it was like a really like flavorful, meaty, umami kind of juicy experience. But then and it sort of like so it could have just been know. any vessel but they chose snails For, yeah as yeah the, but kind of the, like gummyish hmm. and like yeah oh yeah and like it was um, sort of like if you like i imagine this is now a it food would be critique like, podcast <laughs> <laughs> like the like other like it was tasted sort of like shellfish you know like uh but I, I'm going to take this opportunity to stay to, uh, well, I, I wouldn't eat snails again either, but I feel that it is morally and ethically wrong in particular to eat octopus as they are so intelligent and deserve our respect. Yeah. So yeah, I can't read, I can't eat, I eat meat and all animals, um, especially domesticated ones. Um, but uh, <laughs> after reading the octopus book, <laughs> I can't eat, eat octopus. Um, also, Jen, this reminds me of the time I had like foie gras poutine, oh, and God. then I looked up what foie oh, gras no. was afterward, and oh, I was no. like, oh, no, 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 yeah. never again. <laughs> I was going to say, that's one Dare of those you I would have to do before is? you knew. Oh, God. Foie gras is like fattened uh, duck or something, a fattened duck organ oh. or a goose organ or something like that. But it's like uh, there's lots of uproar about the ethics of it because I yeah. believe you're essentially kind of like force feeding. It's the like a really gross to- torture oh. just process horror movie shit they do to the duck while it's still alive to make it taste that way by the time you kill it and eat it. Yeah. It was Dear very God. good that's before just like I knew that, um, what, what it was. Like that, that, um, that one, uh, I read an article once by Anthony Bourdain, and that was my only knowledge of Anthony Bourdain prior to his passing. And so I always thought that he was the worst person in the world because I read this article where he talks about this dish that was banned in France for a little while. And then people were like, no, we want it. And so they legalized it again. But it's basically like you kill this raw, this like rare songbird by drowning it in cognac and then like you just let it set in there until it just like congeals and like and then you just like dump it out on the plate and eat it like bones feathers and all (laughs) and i was like this man is a fucking monster (laughs) and i believe that that is coincidentally the thing that they eat in season one of succession where they blindfold themselves and eat the bird (laughs) oh 
This is entirely unrelated. But also, I mean, escargot, you have to like starve the snails, which in comparison is not quite as bad. But it's also like, it's, it can't be that good. Anyway, yeah, uh, Ben Affleck decides eat. to kill. He decides to kill the man well, after the man suggests we need to make that the he pop out point. into his shed. And yeah, go ahead. Yes, the exactly. Like, what about second breakfast, Ben Affleck? And Ben Affleck <laughs> is like, no breakfast for you. That's. The, I think. Did he say that in the movie too? I'm pretty sure they took a lot of yeah uh, lines directly from the book, which was extra baffling because like it took so much straight from the book, but then like completely annihilated the point. Um, but when he says the snails are not for eating that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. that They're the just his line. little murder friends. <laughs> yeah. um, so they have this threatening encounter. Then later Ben Affleck finds him walking down the street and is like, get in. My wife wants to see you come take a ride. Come take a ride to the gulch, more like where I'm going <laughs> to knock you in the back of the head with a rock and then hide your body in the worst possible way in, in like shallow two feet of water and a, yeah, what seems like a very popular recreation <laughs> spot. Um, weighing you down with, you know, like a pebble or two. Um, so he does that later. Anadarmus wants to go for a picnic to that spot, and Ben Affleck sees the body starting to float up and panics. And so he just barely keeps his wife and child from finding the fruits of his labor. So afterward, he's like, Oh, honey, I'm gonna go back and get your scarf that you left up there. Um, and actually, he's just going up there to like uh, p- submerge the body more um, again in the same spot. Which somehow like not really avoiding the problem. In the book, it's like a quarry. So at least you can sink him kind of deep, you know, but like. That was like straight up, like it, the water was not even to Ben Affleck's waist where he was trying to sink this guy. Like, I, yeah, Ben Affleck was like, like I'm not going in ankles. a quarry. <laughs> <laughs> trying to sink Rewrite his it. He's a tall man. <laughs> Make it a kiddie pool in the backyard of. of my LA apartment. Um, Anyway, so, but who should spy Ben Affleck hiding the body, but Don Doug Dave, screenwriter (laughs) man, who looks panicked, makes a bolt for his car, leading to a rare cinematic mountain bike versus SUV chase <laughs> I was, I was Ben Affleck cutting through the like woods. a hatchback vibe actually it was not <laughs> an SUV and I was crying laughing like I <laughs> I he would not stop trying time. to text his wife yeah. <laughs> while driving down the rocky quarry no road signal. in an area with no service. I was like, sir, put your phone down. It- yeah, the whole movie was just a no texting while driving PSA. <laughs> <laughs> Funded by the government of Louisiana. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, Anna de Armas has like found the wallet of uh, this boyfriend. Yeah, because like, he, he hid in it. In Ben Affleck's snail collection. Yeah. So, I, um, the, are the chase snails supposed ends to like dissolve with, the wallet. Like, what? Why not just bury like, it in the backyard? Don't. Would that not be they a won't. more solid yeah. option? <laughs> it really 
or like burn that. it. I, I like the snails aren't going to do anything. Yeah. They're just going to sit on it. <laughs> Master criminal, he is not. Um, the The chase ends when the screenwriter um, who's trying to text while drive drives off a cliff, and his car uh, blows Wait, up. Wait, though, you're leaving out collapses. That, that happens because he gets startled because Ben Affleck on the bike comes flying out of like a uh, like perpendicular to his car path from the side as like and launches uh, yeah. onto the road. And um, Don Doug Dan uh, freaks and like jerks his wheel and then, yeah, then flies off the cliff and explodes. Yeah, (laughs) they had to make the chase matter somehow. They also had to make the fact that they had a child matter by having the child throw Anna Darmus's suitcase into the pool to be like, you're not leaving daddy, even though he's a murderer. (laughs) Oh, yeah, Um, I forgot about that So Ben Affleck gets home. It's the scene we saw at the start of the movie. Uh, It's Ben Affleck panting as he puts his bike back and Anadarmus on an outdoor staircase on a patio. Anyway, I mean, who am I to question New Orleans architecture? I I could not comprehend the architecture (laughs) of this house. Yeah. And, and uh, she's like, I burned the wallet. Uh, we can just like keep doing this, apparently. And then, um, okay, did I completely hallucinate this? Or was there like a, after the main credits, like another cutesy scene of the kid singing in the back of the car? Yeah. Like we were in a, a Judd Apatow movie suddenly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, what was this choice? Like, uh, okay, I'm glad because I, I, Sadie, I was, I didn't know if like that, I had actually remembered that or if like that was just. (laughs) No, it was. Samuel L. Jackson shows up. We're assembling a team (laughs) of the worst murderers. Uh, well, what did you think of Deep Waters? Jen, you have to go first because you're the one who suggested <laughs> okay. this movie. And then I'll go. Well, I suggested it knowing that it was going to be terrible. Like that was the rationale. Yeah. Um, it's been like on I, 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 my primary vehicle of keeping up with celebrity gossip is uh, LaneyGossip.com. And uh, they have been wondering for a little bit, the writers on there, why there was no promotion for this. And obviously uh, Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas have broken up and that would be awkward. But then like the Rotten Tomatoes score came out and it was like 17%. And like, frankly, I don't even know how it got that high of a score, but it kind of, it's got like, <laughs> like uh, it's, it's one of those things that's astounding because like it looks good at the start, like the way it's filmed, like looks nice. And it seems like the actors are like trying to give good performances, but just the direction is so baffling and stuff. And so the director of this is Adrian, I believe, I, I'm not sure how you pronounce his last name, Line, I guess, L-Y-N-E. Um, it was yeah. the director of like all those sex thrillers in the 80s, uh, Fatal, Fatal Attraction. Attraction. And yeah, like nine and a half yeah. weeks. And there's some more of them, I think. But anyway, he's been retired for like nearly two decades now. And he's 81 years old now. And he came out of retirement to make this movie, which... 
Oh, no. Yeah. I, like, don't sully your retirement. legacy, sir. Like, like, leave us with... Go ride your mountain yeah. bike around New Orleans. So, obviously, there was... And, and like, I think that maybe it could have made more sense. Like, it's getting panned a lot online for the baffling editing. That there's, like, no third act. It just does that end, you know, where... <laughs> The guy blows up and then there, yeah, just completely bizarre. So I knew I was expecting this to be like hilarious bad, you know, like that we were going to get a lot of laughs from it. And like, there was some of that, but then also there was just some of that like badness that like, you're just so baffled that it's frustrating and... uh, you know, so so that's why this is my first and apologies to Patricia Highsmith, author, that this is my this is my introduction to Patricia Highsmith. Um, apparently, is also the person who wrote the talented Mr. Ripley um, and a bunch of other mm-hmm. like she was she was really prolific. Um, and so she wrote like these mid 20th century, like eerie murder novels, you know, and that's what the book is. It is not a sex thriller at all. Um, uh, Vic is the Ben Affleck mm-hmm. character's name in the book. Actually, is like he he flat out states within his own head, but that he's he's like asexual by the mid. He, like he used to have a sexual relationship with his wife Melinda, but is no longer interested in that with her or anyone else. Um, there is no no ass eating happens in the book at all. And so that was, <laughs> so like Sadie, Sadie pointed out at the beginning that this book came out in like 1957 and that makes a lot of the events work in a way that it just does not in 2022 because you have this close knit community that, you know, where Vic has a good reputation. He is not the inventor of a murder drone chip in the book. He runs a small printing press, but he, um, he has an income from his, his wealthy family left him when they died. So that's mostly what they live on. And uh, he's, and I was kind of like, fuck, like it was an uncomfortable experience. It took me longer to read this book than, uh, uh, like a a lot of times I can really just burn through a book in a day, but I did this in chunks because kind of the overall eerie feeling of it and everything just made me so uncomfortable and this horrible marriage that these people are in. Like I, whenever I would put it down, it was like, I would have to make myself go back to it, you know? But uh, I felt burned at the beginning because in the book, Vic is supposed to be 36 years old and he is not interested in like the party life like his wife, Melinda. He just really wants to be left alone to like mess with his snails and do his little hobbies in his garage. And I was like, fuck, like way to call out the 36 year old experience, Patricia Highsmith. Damn. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, so I'm trying to, sorry, I'm, I'm, I know I'm, I'm talking and talking here. But uh, in the book, Vic did not murder Martin McRae, the Melinda's boyfriend who's mentioned yeah. at, at the party at the beginning. But he, on a whim, and the, and the whole thing is from the inside. The whole book is about Vic's interiority. It's all from his POV inside his own head. And which makes the casting of Ben Affleck really strange here. Vic is supposed to be, uh, you know, not very tall, a little bit heavy set, like a very like mild mannered guy who is not causing a big stir in, you know, town or whatever. And like that these boyfriends that he, so he kind of <laughs> looking. Yeah. Constantly. Yeah, he looks like he like could murder, like obviously like, Oh my God. So, <laughs> so anyway, but 
like <laughs> but that thing with with joel i'm so sorry that i keep oh, wait, cutting into Cindy. what you're saying no but please it, do well, please do like in the at the at the beginning where he jokes to the blonde matt damon looking guy like oh i killed someone if that were coming from someone who looked more like don then it would make more sense that he wouldn't really believe him but like Ben Affleck, I would immediately be like, oh, yeah, totally. I'm going <laughs> to yeah. hit the road, actually. <laughs> like, I I fully <laughs> believe what you're telling me with that creepy dead smile on your face. Like, so, like, then yes. none of what the other characters do makes sense because it's like he so clearly either did do it or very much wanted to. So either way, not worth it. I'm going to yeah. leave. <laughs> Like, like way too real. Like, oh my God. It, yeah. So that's like, so yeah, the casting of Ben Affleck does not make sense at all. Because even if you were going to try to take this book and make it like put it on film, first of all, I would think that it would be much better to do it in some sort of like mini series or a, you know, a season of a TV show where because like the time span, then it, it just needs more time to breathe. And then secondly, like Ben Affleck, what the fuck? This whole thing is supposed to be about this guy and his internal mental life. And Ben Affleck is not one of those actors who projects like a lot of wheels turning behind the eyes like that you can, you know, see on the screen. Like it, I don't even fucking know. But so anyway, book Vic on a whim at this party where he's bored and he's, you know, he, he doesn't, he's not jealous um, at any point about Melinda's sexual relationship with these men, but he's really mortified. He's, he's um, invested in his standing in the community and his reputation. And it really bothers him that she insists on dragging these guys out and flaunting it in front of all their friends. Like he thinks he would be fine and content if she would just, pick a discreet lover, you know, but that's not what she wants to do. And so anyway, it's just like on a whim when he decides to tell her drunk latest boyfriend who's condescendingly um, talking to him and thanking him for being a brick about uh, being so cool about, you know, him seeing your your wife or whatever. And and he decides to tell him um, in just a pleasant, like polite tone that he murdered that Martin McRae guy, right? So it does pop off like around town. Nobody, you know, people who don't know him are sort of like eyebrows raised about it. But he's kind of like this bastion of the community. He's always doing favors for old people. He's well liked, you know, by so they all are like, dude, that was a weird thing to say, but they all just like Melinda, like acting the way she does and stuff. So they kind of think it's justified and it sort of works. So he tells it to another one of her boyfriends who spreads it around further. Um, but it makes his life better for a while. He really enjoys making this like this, like it, this fake murder confession, like it, uh, that, you know, people in the community defend him, but it kind of gets Melinda like acting right towards him again and stuff. And so then the sort of the breaking point there is when they find the real murderer of Martin McRae. And as soon as that's in the paper and it comes out that it really wasn't him, Melinda immediately sneers at him and go pick, goes and picks up a new boyfriend who is Jacob Lordy in the movie that day. And like everything goes to shit for him again. So when they're at the party. And Jacob Lordy in the yeah. book. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so at the party where uh, he drowns Jacob Lordy, again, it's like a he doesn't even he just gets he's outside with him. Everybody else has gone in and like just sort of spur the moment. He hasn't planned it at all. He ends up drowning him. And, uh, and then he gets completely let off for it because he goes back inside. It doesn't take very long. He's just sort of like moving in the moment. Um, 
And uh, when they haul him out of the pool, he really puts his all into trying to, he like thinks to himself at one point, like, if I succeed, like doing this resuscitation, I'm going to be fucked. But like, what, you know, like, <laughs> so anyway, he gets off for it. But Melinda is convinced that he's killed the guy and, but she doesn't want to like admit to her affair with him. So then it kind of carries on that like Melinda develops this uh, awful relationship in the town is this like crazy drunk bitch who cheats on him all the time and is accusing him of murder and and it's really weird that he just keeps he just keeps trying to be chill and like stay with her um he doesn't want to like upset his you know the order of the way things are he like I don't know. But anyway, Tony is not the same situation, but he he starts like losing control more and more like over the course of the book as, uh, you know, um, Melinda and Dawn keep provoking him and stuff. And he ends up eventually murdering Tony. And uh, then when uh, he doesn't get caught out for the body doesn't float up like it does in the movie, but Don Wilson does catch him out there like looking to check and is going to tell the police about it or whatever. And he goes home and uh, knows that like the and he kind of flies into like a full rage, you know, like not even detached like he was. And he murders Melinda at the end, uh, right when Don Wilson arrives with the police. Mm-hmm. And then he actually feels kind of like free and has a spring in his step while he's uh, being taken away to jail and that mm. is the end of the book <laughs> See, what a better ending don't put and Ben also, Affleck in jail <laughs> so much <laughs> makes so much more sense um, yeah it's like a psychological like thing it is not in any way like Melinda is like there's there is zero sex stuff so that kind of makes sense as to why this was sold as like the movie was sold as like a sex thriller but there's so little sex that happens in it but it was just weird how they kind yeah. of shoehorned that in with like uh, yeah uh. <laughs> yeah can I just say I did I I think he wasn't directed well but I do like when Ben Affleck does this kind of role this kind of like a gone girl oh, yeah. role I don't know like I feel like handled right and if he were encouraged to put effort into it by a director he could do this kind of part very effectively like he's good at this kind of like glowering like swagger thing but like coming from a place of like woundedness i don't know yeah. like he was amazing I, I, and there's a version of it that could work he kind of captures that essence of like washed upness that you need with this type of character so i agree like i uh, thought yes. that if the direction had been better, not to smear Mr. Adrian's name a little bit, I think that it would have been really good. And I also thought that Anna de Armas, if we had gotten like any inclination of what she was thinking at any point in the movie, that would also <laughs> have been like really good. Because um, like the juxtaposition of them together was interesting. Um, if I yeah, it if didn't I give us a whole lot of interiority, did it? Yeah, like. <laughs> Staring at snails is the substitute for inferiority. Did like the snails. I did like the snails too. And also, we got no like in depth understanding of the snails. Like, it wasn't even (laughs) hinted at 
or like encouraged for us to find meaning in, in it. It was just like there, which was weird. Like it was like, it was, it had to be in there because it was in the book, but then they didn't do anything with it or like make it make sense. Um, and yeah, the thing, okay. So I have not read deep water, but I do really like Patricia Highsmith. I like strangers on the train and also her book, the price of salt was turned into Carol, the movie with Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara. Um, the lesbian, they're lesbians, Harold, and the lesbians, Harold, (laughs) the lesbians, Ben Affleck. (laughs) And so I, I like her and I like, but I feel like modern day cinema does not know how to handle this type of 1950s Agatha Christie type plot. Like we do, like they just don't know what to do with it. And so I, because I love this genre of book. Um, I'm also thinking about The Pale Horse, which was an Agatha Christie adaptation that came out in 2019 or 2020. And it was an Amazon original. And it was it was very weirdly made because it was two episodes and each episode was an hour and a half long. And like this could have just been a two hour movie to be honest with you. But anyway, um, (laughs) that one is what came to mind when I watched this movie. And I didn't even know that this was based off of a 1950s novel when I started it, because I completely did not know that Deep Water was by Patricia Highsmith. And then secondly, um, I'm also thinking of the 2018 or 2019 adaptation of We Have Always Lived in the Castle by Shirley Jackson, which... um, what is starring Sebastian Stan and Mia? I can't pronounce her last name, but it starts oh, with a W. Oh, the one uh, um, Wasikowski. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The one who's That's a little her. sister. Alice in Wonderland. Um, and both of yeah. those, the Alice in Wonderland. They adapted. Girl. We have always um, lived in the castle. They did. They did. Um, and oh. it was. I love that book. It doesn't it, strike me as something that would make a great movie. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's not. <laughs> it, well, in both of those cases, even though those movies are actually set in the time period that they were written in the 50s, it's still, it's like we don't comprehend the 1950s-ness of it all. And so we try to make it like sensationalized or like this movie, which was turned into an erotic thriller for no real reason. It was not erotic and it was also not thrilling, <laughs> but <laughs> that's beside the point. <laughs> like we, we don't really understand these plots. And so then we're just like, we try to fit them into what we imagine i i'm i'm not describing this well but like with the pale horse that also and i won't get into that too much because we're not talking about the pale horse but that also had um a core a core part of it was a man who possibly murdered his wife and so we get like flashbacks of his relationship with her and they just don't nail that feeling of the 1950s and like what marriage was like and so particularly with deep water most of the plot fundamentally did not make sense because our view of marriage is different now than it was then so just taking this plot from the 1950s and moving it to today where divorce is super common where it's very normal to have an well not very i mean like not everyone is having an open relationship with their marriages but it's more understood and also like again divorce is a much easier concept so None of it entirely made sense. And also the way that the friend group is set up feels very 1950s. 
in a way that you wouldn't really yeah. like, it's not super normal to just have a group of like 15 friends. And then you just always hang out together all the time. Like that isn't yeah. these like one, elaborate that's parties how modern happening. day people interact. Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. it just, it's not yeah. something that we do in the modern era. <sighs> but anyway, exactly. go ahead, Jen, you were saying. No, Sadie, you've totally I called it. Like that was my, I was like, why transfer it to present day? If you, want want to do this like without accounting for any of that because when I started watching at first yeah I thought oh they've got an open marriage or oh he he has a cuckold fetish he's into this like because why would you be in this scenario today in the book so much of it was about the uh, it's like he Vic views himself in his own mind as a nonconformist and he doesn't want to control Melinda is what he keeps telling himself um, meanwhile though he is so uh, you know, invested in conforming and being viewed well by the community in spite of this, you know? So it's sort of like the tension, um, you know, between those two, his view of himself and his actions in, in this way that like drives a, a lot of the book. And yeah, this like, what? And these people, and what the fuck is Melinda doing? Like we have Tinder now. Like she doesn't have to get dressed up and go to it. Like, are there piano bars anymore? And go to like, like a piano <laughs> bar? Like what is happening? Oh my God. And I saw before the kids started singing again in the credits. Oh, and I did, I've got to give Affleck props. I think those were some of the more effective scenes in the movie. Like, you can tell that guy is a good dad. Like he, that was some of his most effective acting was just him being affectionate with the kid. Um, you know, whereas, as uh, Ana de Armas's character clearly like despised her child. But anyway, before the kids started singing at the end, that dude, the the showrunner, the auteur guy of Euphoria apparently was a writer on this, which I assume was the Jacob yeah. Morty connection there. Tracks. But I was like, what? the fuck like <laughs> like what yeah yeah that like, makes it just, sense it does not to work me. yeah to transfer <laughs> yeah. this to here yeah <laughs> i saw someone compare the ending to phantom thread and one get phantom threads name out of your mouth <gasps> oh two i also feel like they could have gone more in that direction yes. of like have anna de Armas being like oh my god i can't believe what you're doing and like side channeling yeah. with Doug or Don about her concerns. And then at the end, you like the reveal is like, no, she's into this. This is their <laughs> yeah. sick game is like, she seduces people and Ben Affleck murders them. And they're just exactly. going to do it all again. Samantha, just to put uh, phantom thread right back in my mouth. I'm so glad that you brought that up because I actually thought of that when I started reading the book, I didn't get that vibe from the movie at all, but I was like, Oh, there is a weird kind of, of phantom threadish feel um, to Vic and Melinda's marriage before you know it, it ramps up to where he murders her at the end. Um, but yeah, like it's very non-standard kind of like uh, how we talked about how there's a queerness to the Phantom Thread relationship because it's so not what you would think that dynamic would be. You know, um, it's yeah. yes, so un- unconventional and uh, and what he uh, yeah. Uh, so I, I made that connection too when reading Patricia Highsmith's words on the paper, but I did not get that so much from <laughs> Ben Affleck, uh, that, you know, eating ass. <laughs> 
that's what I thought it was going to go. Like, that's the direction that I thought we were going to get into once, like, after Jacob Elordi was killed, I thought that, you know, she was like, she pitches this huge fit and like goes crazy about him killing him. And then later, I thought that she was going to be like, let's fuck, like, let's get into it. And like earlier, when um, he mentions that he like killed Martin McRae, and she's like, are you stupid? I thought that that was going to be like her being like, are you stupid? Don't joke about that because you actually did it. Like, let's not draw more attention to this. (laughs) Yeah. But it doesn't, it doesn't go that. And like, so if that's not the case, then I would just like someone from the movie to tell me what Melinda's thought process is, because I don't understand it. Like you can leave, but you don't. (laughs) But then if you don't stay because you actually secretly like it, then why would you stay? Because this is 2022 and you can just divorce someone like yeah (laughs) explain that to me and like that's what she because i thought that in the you know in the book their relationship is more complicated and weird but in the movie when they actually have that conversation and he's like do you want a divorce and she do you want a divorce and she responds by saying do you think i'm stupid and it's like what like is this supposed to be she's staying with him for his chip money like because she could get a lot of that in the divorce too like it just is yeah yeah. (laughs) she can't get her suitcase out of the pool (laughs) oh my god can you imagine the effort it would take to get that suitcase out of a pool there was no deep water in this movie the pool wasn't too deep to fish a suitcase out of the gully was like yeah (laughs) a Trickle. Samantha, you're so right. They took yeah. deep water and they turned it into very shallow water. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness. I wanted better things for Ben Affleck and Anna de Armas. Well, things are better. I didn't want them to stay together, but I now. wanted it to produce at least <laughs> one <laughs> compelling on screen pair up. Yeah, I think probably the most important thing this movie did was lead us to that memeable moment after their breakup of somebody throwing away the life-size cardboard cut out of her in the trash bins outside of his house. Yes, when I told my sister we were doing this movie, she was like, wait, (laughs) the cardboard cutout? (laughs) Like, that was her first point of reference. Um, And it probably will be. And I told her, and I'll stand by this, I like that he had a cardboard cut out of her. I think that's cool. Yeah, I'm going to, when we finish recording, I'm going to go ask Justin why he doesn't have a cardboard cut out of me. should have cardboard (laughs) cut Samantha, do you have a cardboard cut out of Corey? Uh, no, but I don't need one because Corey is always here, you know? Ex- like, except when she goes rock climbing or something. When she like, goes on a trip, then you can seven feet pull away. out her cardboard cut out and just put it next to the bed like she's watching you while you're sleeping. Yeah. No, I'm too busy tending to my, tending to my snails when <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay, so speaking of the snails. Cats. <laughs> yes. The snails both were and weren't as important in the book as they were in the movie. But okay, I have to tell you. <laughs> so there's two primary snails who are in love uh, that <laughs> he he watches and thinks about a lot. And he has named them Hortense and Edgar. And I screenshotted this for you guys on page 219 of 252. There is an entire page description of snail sex where Hortense and Edgar were Read making it. love. 
<laughs> All right. Here we go. <laughs> oh, wait. Hang on. I need to pull it up on the actual book because I cut off a little bit of it in the screenshot. Mm-hmm. 219. I have never been more excited. <laughs> uh, uh, wait till you hear this. Okay. Let's see. So... Okay, this is after his friend Horace, who I think the best character in the movie, the like, uh, his his black friend who was like, what the fuck, man, all the time about this. Um, yeah, has come over to tell him that Melinda is accusing him of murder again. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so after he leaves, Vic went over to his snail aquaria. Hortense and Edgar were making love, Edgar reaching down from a little rock to kiss Hortense on the mouth. Hortense was reared up on the end of her foot, swaying a little under his caress, like a slow dancer enchanted by music. Vic watched for perhaps five minutes, thinking of absolutely nothing, not even of the snails, (laughs) until he saw the cup-shaped excrescences start to appear on the right side of both the snails' heads. How they did adore each other, and how perfect they were together. The glutinous cups grew larger and touched, rim to rim. Their mouths drew apart. (laughs) Okay, and then I'm going to skip this paragraph where he's thinking about what's going on with, uh, with his wife and Trixie. The snails made no sound. Hortense was shooting her dart first. She missed. Or was that part of the game? After a few moments, Edgar tried, missed, drew back, and struck again, hitting the right spot so that the dart went in, which inspired Hortense to try again, too. She had a harder time aiming upward, but she made it after three deliberate and patient tries. Then, as if shocked into a profounder trance, their heads went back a little. Their tentacles drew almost in, and Vic knew that as they had lidded eyes, they would have been closed. The snails were motionless now. (laughs) He stared at them until he saw the first signs that the rims of their cup were going to separate. Then he walked up and down the garage floor for a minute, suffering an unaccustomed sense of restlessness. His mind turned to Melinda, and he went to the snails again to keep himself from thinking of her. Okay, and then skipping another thing where he's worried about them finding the body in the quarry. Vic bent over the snails, looking at them now through a (laughs) hand-magnifying lens. They were connected only by the two darts. They would stay like this for at least another hour, he knew. Tonight, he hadn't their patience. He went into his room to read. So, Did one of you say this book wasn't an erotic thriller? Because, wow. Oh, yeah, good point. I guess I <laughs> For the snails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that this is what a snail erotic thriller looks like, and we're just seeing it through a, a anthropocentric lens. An escargotic thriller. So, oh my God. I, so Patricia Highsmith has definitely seen some snails fucking before to write that. One time, I, back when I lived in Tennessee, this is like years ago, I saw these two enormous slugs having sex on the outside of my house. But I didn't realize at the time because I was like, what? They're making like a weird slug Ouroboros. But they have sex like at their heads. Like that's where their little yeah um, thingies where I guess they shoot their darts into each other yeah. are located. So if you see two snails like locked up head to head, like... They are fucking. <laughs> I'll keep an eye yeah, on now it. I know what to look <laughs> for. <laughs> I so okay. I think that that uh, all joking aside, I think that that scene made like connected with me more as to why he liked the snails and why he has them. But we don't get any of that in this movie. Like I, I feel like the disconnect. <laughs> Of like everyone on the sh- on like all the writers, the director, everyone they read this book, and then they had just assumed that everyone else on the planet has read this book, 
and has like intimate knowledge (laughs) of it. And we're just like craving like an updated version of deep water that like expands on the original, but does nothing (laughs) to inform the reader or like make a solid plot with like characters that you can understand. And I'm also really interested as to why they chose to not kill Melinda at the end. Because I also like I read the wiki summary for the book after I finished reading the watching the movie. And it made so much more sense for that to be the end yeah. and for Melinda's motives to be what they were throughout the book. And so at the end, I feel like that would have been a much more interesting and satisfying end um, or just going full in the other direction of like phantom thread. She's into it. And like, so like either one of those would have been great. I honestly would have preferred the latter where you have like this weird, sick attraction that she feels to him after she knows that he's murdered someone, but like, they don't talk about it, you know? And like, I don't know. Weird. That definitely felt like that was what they were setting up in the movie, though, because they turned it into a no, well, other than the snails, incredibly erotic scene that I just read, no human sex is had on page in the book. And so when they went, especially when they had that scene where uh, in the book, Melinda doesn't give a fuck when he dances with uh, Doug Don Dan's wife at the party. But in the movie, they have a scene where she gets jealous because he dances with the other chick at the party. And then she's like going down on him in the car and then starts biting him. And, you know, like, and then they have sex that night. So I definitely thought they were going to go in the direction of it being like a sex game that she, she thrives on this like jealousy stuff. And that's how she's trying to provoke him. And it, you know, yeah, that's what I expected, but that's not what we got. (laughs) And also Don and the snails. Can I just talk about Don? Oh, go ahead. Were you going to talk about the snails? Please do. Some more? Oh, I was going to say the snails. Oh. Just watching <laughs> watching the movie without even knowing. Like, I didn't know that the book was going to be from the 50s either. Even when I, I couldn't even get this book. Sadie, that may, it was making me laugh. I muted myself while you were saying that, you know, this whoever made this movie expected us all to have intimate knowledge of the book. I couldn't even get this from the library. I had to buy it in order order to be able and I think it was re-released like because there's like interest because they were going to make a movie about it which my god but so watching it I thought that the snails were going to be part of his like murder cleanup somehow that the snails were like I thought she was going to find like a finger in there like not the wallet like what the hell it was just so baffling but please I'm sorry to interrupt uh because I desperately want to hear what you have to say about Dawn no I I just want to talk to Don for a second. Because if you seriously think that there is a chance that someone in your life, if you are a loved one, is affected by the murder gene, <laughs> then don't be so bold about it. Like he like he's literally just like waving a flag <laughs> right in like a like a red flag right in front of Bull Ben Affleck. Like he's so blatantly thinks that he's murdered him tells everyone that and then when he so imagine all of that and then you're walking you're taking a nice stroll in the woods and you see the person that you think is a murderer clearly pushing a body down in a creek <laughs> your thought process let me call some attention be, to myself 
Yeah. Be like, oh, what are you doing? Oh, I knew it. And then like running off, I would just, if I, first of all, I wouldn't have even said anything. I would have just gone back and went to the police. But if he, if Ben Affleck had seen me, I just would have been like, hey, love the weather we're having. And then immediately run to my car and go. <laughs> like I, I, and then driving, first of all, I understand that Ben Affleck was an absolute fucking beast on that mountain bike, but you really don't have to be going that fast because <laughs> he has a bike. And also you can just lock your car. Like <laughs> there's no way, even if he catches up, yeah. what's he going to do? Yeah. Grab onto your, grab on, <laughs> grab onto your side view mirror. Like there's nothing he can do. He's on a bike and you are in a car. So he's like fishtailing down the road, texting and driving. And like, you can just wait till you get to the police station. Like I cannot comprehend <laughs> what is going through Don's head. And Damn, that's all Don I had was to just say. so excited about his screenplay. We thought that he was texting his <laughs> wife, but really he was trying to write down ideas for his screenplay. He was going to base on all of this. Yeah. And that's what led to his death. He, he wrote it all on his phone during the chase and the movie that we see <laughs> is what he wrote on his phone. Boom. That fourth wall broken. It. Oh, so much. Yeah, that explains why there's no third act. He ran out of time. <laughs> Which he anticipated doing because he wrote his own death uh, into his notes like, app. Wow, wouldn't this be <laughs> fucked up? And then boom, Ben Affleck comes flying out of the woods. <laughs> To like, what a mountain biker. Like, how, oh, wow. Well, for the record, my favorite Anna de Armas boyfriend is probably the first one who we never meet, uh, who <laughs> is named like Trenton McRae, right? Martin McRae. Martin McRae. That's my other guy of the podcast is Martin, Martin McRae. <laughs> Good old Martin. Whose name gets said the most in this movie, despite never being seen. Alas, <laughs> how little we knew ye, Martin <laughs> Do either of you have a have a favorite Anna Darmus boyfriend to pick? Um, I think that she just wants to be free to to fuck around, you know. Um, but I think that Ben Affleck should have, instead of focusing his efforts on murder, instead just seduced Don's wife and gotten with her because they get along great. And Don kind of sucks, even though he was definitely right about Vic being a murderer. And I think that they could have made a happy little couple. And uh, that lady would not scream at Trixie to turn off her old McDonald songs on the Alexa. Yeah. I, my other guy for Ben Affleck is prison. And that, <laughs> I know that that's the, the, the obvious Well, in the answer, book, Sadie. But. He got it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I can take some solace in that, mayhaps. But, um, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I like the snails too as an option for Ben Affleck. <laughs> that's it like the just real be love him of and his, his life. Hortense and Edgar. Honestly. Yeah. Can just welcome him A into thruple? their, their beautiful love. Yeah. <laughs> He has like so many at a point earlier where he takes the snails out in the rain uh, where they they didn't do it in as glorious of detail as they did on page 219 then. But he talks about how like he thinks about how so many of his snails that he has are the product of Hortense and Edgar's ongoing love affair. They're kind of the foil to the shitty relationship between him and Melinda is Hortense and Edgar OTP. <sighs> 
Would anyone object to rating Deep Water? I'm ready to rate Deep Water. Damn. I'm I'm ready to rate. I've got to think. We're all going to rate on snails, right? Murdered boyfriends. What can be the ranking here? I was going to rate on (laughs) Somebody start us off. I... <laughs> and I will, and I will start by saying I'll I'll give this water. Okay, I'll give this water like one, uh, two inches, honestly, because despite it being very bad and making no sense, I was immensely entertained. Like I was on my phone almost zero amount of the time because I was so like. <laughs> I know that it wasn't supposed to be funny, but I found it immensely funny. And like, again, during the dawn scene, I had tears pouring down my head. I was laughing so hard. When Ben Affleck when Ben Affleck took the shortcut, I thought I was going to convulse on the couch. I'm like, oh my god, he's taking a shortcut on his little bike. I was literally I- <laughs> Someone has to cut me up. <laughs> I think I'm going to rewatch that I really, scene. I really did find it watchable. It yeah. wasn't bad unwatchable. It was bad eminently watchable. And for that reason, I will give it two and one half Jacob Elordi's. Uh, oh, man. If we go back to our calculations. Collectively, like 20 feet. <laughs> however much that would be. Oh, Jacob Elordi, you know he was so thrilled to get a role where he got to be drowned by Ben Affleck in a pool, you know? I think that Jacob Elordi's height was like the one thing. They cast him like trying to just get somebody who was taller than Ben Affleck so they could have that one scene where Ben Affleck's kind of looking up at him. But come the fuck on. If Ben Affleck and Jacob Elordi are wrestling in a pool trying to drown each other, we all know that Ben Affleck is going to win. Like, yeah. Yeah, I'm also I'm going to give this the the two snails of love Hortense and Edgar out of five probably hundred thousand snails that they have produced as a result of their constant lovemaking. Um, it is not a good movie, but as you both have pointed out, it, it is immensely entertaining and i give it i i give it five murdered boyfriends out of five for entertainment value <laughs> this is like when i gave the justice league five stars <laughs> it's like um, actually two out of five but we're day. watching and just making you you know be like what the fuck you, like you will be thinking about this movie for a long time after you watch it not because you want to but that's just the effect that it will have. <laughs> and those are the true deep waters, or the deep waters of your mind after you watch this. Jen, what kind of, what bodies of water should people drown our podcast in? Well. Or I guess not drown, hide the already murdered already corpse murdered of corpse our podcast. In, um, well, if they're smart, they will put the murdered corpse of our podcast in a deeper body of water than that in which Ben Affleck concealed would-be snail murderer Tony's body. Um, Anyhow, you can find us on Twitter at YSSTOG or if you have longer thoughts to express to us about deep water, which we do not check our email very often, but we would love to read when we notice it's there. You can write to us at YSSTOGpodcast at gmail.com. 
And let's see, we've been a little bit quiet on both of those forums and our Discord server lately because we have all been busy. But I mean, the snails, they're bringing us back out. Snails in the rain, baby. We are ready to get on there and talk. And if you would like to join our Discord server to talk to us or and or at the same time, help us pay to stream all of these magnificent movies like Deep Water that we watch and discuss for you each week. You can uh, join our patreon.com slash Y-S-S-T-O-G and pay a low, low price of $3 a month for $1 for the each of us, the little snails that we are. Or we have increasing tiers where you can get more rewards like cool playlists for Sadie or picking a movie uh, for us to watch, which I guess we need to do our Nora pick for March with haste next week before March runs out on us. But we know that you will all understand that we had to prioritize deep water once you have seen it. Yeah. And I guess that's that. Ahem. 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 Give me. Where did they go? Patreon. Ahem. Ahem. I would like to thank our lovely, wonderful <laughs> snails. Logan, Logan Mannies, Andrew, Althea, Xenalon, Sharon, Justin, Evan, Liz, Brittany, Ace, Mara, Ramey the Void, Heartleaf, Ave with Teeth, Hadas, Ryan, Maddie, and Abby. We love you all so very much. And we would never cook you and turn you into escargot. We would never. <laughs> and scene. <laughs>